All right, episode 20, My Age Podcast. What's happening? Um, I'll keep this nice and quick because I'm crunching to get this out at a reasonable time. It's I was going to do it last night, but mishap after mishap uh, didn't let me get there in time, unfortunately, basically. Um, you know, never to worry. Uh, give me a second. We've actually got a, a very, very special, special guest. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? What? Uh, Cool. So that's Cody, ladies and gentlemen, people of the pod. Uh, th- that was my son Cody, who I've mentioned many a time. Um, yeah, cool. Hopefully he comes back on. We do it all again soon. Uh, as I said, episode 20, Brock Devlin, uh, partner in Blood, Sweat and Beers, all around good guy. Um, check out the podcast. It's, very, it's a long episode. And again, I'm really rushed to get this out, so I apologize. Oh, and if you like what you hear, um, you know, send me a dollar. My Age Podcast. No, pay, PayPal me. Let me start it again. PayPal.me slash My Age Podcast. Send me a dollar if you like what you hear. A, a bunch of people did it last month, and it was really, really appreciated. A bunch of people went above and beyond, um, which is really, really, really appreciated. I don't have your names here. Again, I'm crunching to get this out. But, um... Yeah, I really appreciate it. It means the world. Um, tell your mates. We're on all the socials. Grab your mate's phone and put, you know, add this to their podcast playlist and, you know, see what happens. Maybe they dig it, maybe they don't. Um, yeah, cool. I'll speak to you at the end of the episode. All right, episode 20. Uh, Brock, Brock Devlin, I guess... You'd call him a Sydney punk rock scene veteran. Uh, he's co-founder of tour promotion company Blood, Sweat and Beers. Uh, a facilitator in his own words, which I think is a fantastic description to give him. And in my opinion, an all-around good guy. What's up, Brock? Oh, you know, not much. Just hanging out, talking to one of my favorite people up the coast, you know. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. We go way back. I was only thinking about this today. Like, we go way back. I know exactly well, where we go back to. Like, I can tell you exactly where we first met. And I reckon we're going to get into it. Actually, I think I think I know the – yeah, I think I know the story. But, yeah, let's, so let's not talk about us too much just yet anyhow. Right. We'll um, get there. Yeah, we will. We will. Where did you grow up? What are your parents into? Just the gen- – you've listened to the podcast before, yeah? Yeah, yeah I've listened to a bunch of the episode, episodes. Um, I skipped the Adrian weird. Kelly one because it's Kelly, but, you know, that's yeah, that's, that's just a joke on Kelly. I actually really enjoyed that episode. He's a good, it's a, it was a great episode. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I love them all. Yeah. Um, so you you know how this works, what were your parents into, where did you grow up, all that kind of jazz? Yeah, um, so I grew up – in Lakemba with my mum. She was a single mother, so I got brought up there for a while. Then she remarried when I was three. And when I was five, we moved, or when I was four, I guess, we moved to Campbelltown. So, yeah. So my stepdad, uh, who obviously is who my mum remarried, um, was a drummer. That's kind of how I found where, well, my love of music basically is, I have very early childhood memories of watching him play drums or more to the point being on my relative's shoulders, looking in a pub window, watching him play because. So he was actually, he was actively playing. He wasn't, he just didn't have a kit that it would blast away on a weekend. Or no, he, his old band released a 12 inch. Okay. So they were called 40 floors up. 
Um, very Aussie 80s pub rock kind of stuff. Um, but yeah. definitely an inspiration of why I'll tell you, yeah, music's pretty fucking cool. I, I, I want to do something like this. Unfortunately, that's I'm not right. very talented, so that's why I've ended up as a promoter type guy. I mean, not talented at music. Talented, yeah. just not in music. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah. So what was your, what were you, what were I listen to when you were growing up uh, or like before you were on the scene? So I kind of grew up on Aussie pub rock basically. Um, yeah. My dad, like being that my dad was from there, um, he was into all that. My mum was like into it a little bit. She liked a bit more of the glam side of things. So she was like into bands like Kiss and stuff like that. But my dad was like a chisel, Barnsy, um, Although he, he loved Black Sabbath. Like, Black Sabbath was one of his bands. I think for his, like, 50th, I took him to see Black Sabbath at when they did a tour about 10 years ago. It was, it was great. Wow. So. That's a, that's a, that's a fantastic 50th birthday present. Oh, yeah. I'm, well, it was self-serving because I really wanted to see Mike Borden play drums because I was a massive Faith No More fan at one point in time. Well, still am a massive Faith No More fan, but, yeah. So it was Sabbath or it was Aussie? Playing Sabbath songs. Uh, oh, actually, that's a good point. What was it? It might have been Ozzy doing Sabbath songs because Zach Wild was playing guitar, so it mustn't have been Sabbath, pretty much. All. And they had Audio Slave supporting them. I think it was. That's pretty yeah. cool. That's actually pretty cool. Like I'm, I'm a big advocate of Audio Slave. Not many people are. I don't think any are. Not many people are. No, you know, people are wrong. But yeah, people can everyone did. It's so, not everyone is, in, is into everything. Is why is one of my famous sayings to everyone. And like, oh, they suck. I'm like, well, you know, not everyone's into everything. Like, I mean, there's lots of stuff that nobody's into. So, like, I like pro wrestling. I like comics. You do like pro wrestling? Yes, I do. Oh, I do know that about you. Yeah, like is an understatement, but yes. Um. So, were you an only child? Uh, I have a younger sister. She's twelve years younger than me, though. So, for I think about nine years, I was the only grandchild. It was fucking amazing. Like Christmases were the best thing ever. All eyes on you. Exactly. I got everything. I got all the toys. Yeah, cool. Okay, so let's talk about music. All right, cool. Um, what Like we spoke before we hit record, um, you've got a bunch of songs for each topic. So talk about them. All right, so, so the first two songs I had, um, one basically both influenced by my dad or by my stepdad who – I'll refer to as this whole time as my dad because that's how I consider him. Um, so I, I've got uh, a Deep Purple song. So okay. as I said, like he was from like 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s rock kind of thing. And every time we went away on holiday somewhere, the best of Deep Purple was in the car. So I, just there, yeah, he was sitting in there ready to go. So I was, it was played to death. And I fucking loved it. Like I'd never heard it as a like seven or eight year old hearing something like hearing something like Deep Purple. Like we all heard Smoke on the Water, and we know how that goes. But that and by the way, that's not the song I chose. Um, like it's a, it's good for what it was, but they they have way better songs. But yeah, so it was like we we drive up to Queensland or something on a holiday, or up to Tamworth where I spent a lot of time as a kid, um, and. It was all, yeah, Deep Purple, Cold Chisel, until I was kind of a little bit older and started, like, being able to put my own tapes in the car, and that was kind of fun. So, yeah, so there's a Chisel song, a Deep Purple song. The Chisel song's very specific, though. Um, it's a live version of uh, Bow River. 
Um, because when I was like, I go back to always buying my dad music stuff. And I remember one of the first things I ever bought my dad, I say bought my dad using the air quotation marks because I kind of bought it for him because I wanted to watch it. And it was a cold chisel uh, last stand video. The last, yeah, the Sydney show. The, the Sydney show. And it was uh, the version of Bo River from from um, that show, which that song, I can still listen to it now and I fucking love that song. It's a banger. It's a, It's red hot. Is that what we're going to go with? I think we probably will go with it because I, yeah. I, I do like it. Um, and it's a song that I tell every band I ever hang around who have dual vocals, you need to cover this song. It would be amazing. Like yeah. um, You remember Easy Company with the Gibbons Brothers? Yes, I do. Yes, I, I used do, to beg them to do the, to a cover of this song because I thought the, the dual brother vocals would, would have just killed. They never did, though. So... So if they hear this, they'll know. They'll hear this and be like, "Oh, fucking, he's still going on about that." But it's such a good song. Like what when the the Barn, the Jimmy Barnes part kicks in, it's just at the end. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you feel get you feel like getting punched in the face because it's so good. Yeah, it's it's very powerful. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I and it was cool. one of the first Aussie songs I heard that had some swearing in it. Uh, so the, the line was um, piss on the money up against the damn wall. So when I was a kid in the car listening to that, because I also bought a live tape or something of it that where I could listen to it in the car, uh, it was the only time before I was kind of older where I could get away with swearing around my parents. So that was always fun. So, um yeah, that song, It's I can't say enough good things about the song. Like, I still will listen to it and have a massive smile on my face when I hear still it. Still get stoked. It's yeah, amazing. and the live version, like, the live version, it definitely adds. I mean, the original is fantastic. Yeah. But the live version definitely adds to it. Oh, it's just like it, the intensity it's, of it. And it's, I think well it's also a little bit to do because it was, like, their last, back then it was their last set of shows. So they were just going balls to the wall. And the funny, the other funny thing is that my dad was actually at that show. So, like, because he was like, he, his old band supported um, Cold Chisel when they were a nothing band. Like, he has stories of seeing Jimmy Barnes and Steve Presswich getting into punch-ups at shows. He's playing at the Arncliffe Hotel or something. something like, it was something like that, yeah. Like, I, I've, when I started playing in bands, I'd play at certain venues or and that sort of thing, and I'd say, oh, I played at this venue. And my dad would be like, oh, I played there in 1977. I'm like, oh, wow. But, um, but yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I reckon, yeah, f- first song off the, ca- off the rank, we'll, we'll go with the live version of Bow River. Listen out to the wind, babe. And listen out to the rain. You know I feel that water licking up my feet again. And I don't want to see this town no more Wasting my days on a factory floor The first thing you know I'll be back in Ball River The first thing you know I will be back in Ball River The first thing you know I'll be 
So did your did your dad know at the time that they were recording it? Um, I, that the live show I don't know if he knew, and I don't know if it was really publicised. Like that's I guess the, the fun thing was back then is that there was no internet or anything, so no one would have known shit. Like I guess yeah. they had cameras there because they were showing it on the big screen, so it, they. They, I don't know if they said it was recorded or anything, but um, such a good song and such and like honestly, if you if you're out there listening to this and you haven't actually listened to Cold Chisel, The Last Stand, the original one, not the re the, the redone one, like a few years exactly. Ago. Go go listen to it. Like even if you just listen to like four or five songs. Like the energy in that, the, hits the energy in that room is ridiculous, and that was the entertainment center too. May it rest in peace. Alrighty, so I guess you're really into yeah into music at a really young age. But what kind of what made stuff stand? What what stood out to you like more than just um like for, again from a young age more than just being a car commercial or a, a Snickers bar commercial theme jingle or whatever like. Um, Rage was a huge influence on me. Like every Saturday morning, I'd get up, watch Rage, watch it with my dad. Then when it would end, like I think it would end at like 9 o'clock, but then at 10 o'clock, video hits would start on Channel 10. So I'd flip over to that and rewatch all those same songs again. That's that's the way to do it. Oh, absolutely, mate. Like where would we be without old school music video shows? It's, yeah. Like it's, I know I'm sure I've said it before, and I sure I'm sure it sounds cheesy every time I say it, and it's it's one of those old man comments. But like the the beauty of not having stuff on demand and just sitting down and turning on Rage or Video Hits even, and just going recording shit off the radio. Yeah, recording shit Like it's it's a lost tradition or art or ritual. Maybe ritual is probably the best word. Yeah. That, that, I'd go with that. You know, it's not on demand. It's it's everything's so on demand now, and something's lost. But that's just that's also me just being, um, maybe a bit too reminiscent, a bit too nostalgic. And I'm sure a lot of people are, and it's a bit cheesy. But yeah, rage is. Oh, not at all, man. Like I miss the days where you would make a mixtape, or even yeah. like going forward a bunch of years, a mixed CD. Yeah. Look, I still make Nicole mix CDs every year for Christmas because I'm a tight ass, but also... Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, just mix CD. The last mix CD I made was for an ex-girlfriend and it ended up being 10 discs. 10? Yeah, and you had to listen to them in order. Like, I numbered all the discs when I gave them to her. I said, here's number one, here's number two, here's number three, down the list, down along. And I spent like a good three hours ordering songs so that so it would flow real nice. That's insane. Like I, I love making playlists. Yeah. On, I used to, I'm used to do it on my iPod. Now I just do it on Spotify. Spotify, yeah. We've totally diverted, but that's cool. So tell us about watching Rage and whatnot. So yeah, so watching Rage and like video hits and that sort of things, I like. I I didn't mind some top forty stuff I heard, but I always liked something that had that was a, like a little bit different. Like I was never truly a pop kid. Because obviously being brought up in rock and roll, like, like I can deal with it, and there was stuff I liked, um, but I always liked something that had oh, edge is probably not the right word because of the first song I've kind of, or the next song I've kind of chosen, but just something that had something a little bit different in it. Uh, like uh, I like like, and also being that I grew up in the eighties, 
I love the cheesy synth sound. So, like, there's lots of like, kind of different things I was into, but, um, like, the first CD I ever bought was in 1987. And I know exactly what CD it is because I still have it. It's wow. Smash Hits 87. Now, talk to me about what was on that. Because um, I reckon I would have had the tape. Yeah. So, um, let's see. So, I'm just trying to... I had it. I actually literally had it in front of me at one point. Um, what was on it? So, Pseudo Echo Aurora. I remember that. Yep. Um, it had like Europe, The Final Countdown, The Shantuzis, Witch Queen, Mel and Kim, Respectable, Angry Anderson, Suddenly, uh, Slice of Heaven, Dave Dobbin with the Herbs. Um, so yeah, so it was like kind of one of those CDs, and yep. um, like and it was. Like the first CD I bought, and I, I thought it was awesome. Um, and Pseudo Echo was the the song that, like, I reckon I'm going to play here. Heavy, okay, uh, yeah. Funky Town, yeah. Just because this had the cheesy synth, and the dude had a guitar. And yes. my entire life, I've thought the guitar was the greatest thing I've ever seen. Awesome. Like, I mean, they are pretty oh, special. Oh, oh, dude, they're the best. I wanted one for years. And tried to like you've seen some of the bands I was in and how yes. weird stuff got there. Yes. And I always wanted to, to play guitar in a band, but it never happened. That surprises me because in one of your bands you did that you did incorporate an eight oh eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the band I was trying to work it into. I just couldn't yeah. afford a guitar. So Okay, yeah, yeah. And yeah, no, that makes sense. Because around that time they hadn't reissued them, so they were all bit they're all a bit vintage y. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. My my hope is that the Bennies eventually get a guitar because I think it's if, a natural like, progression. Yeah, I like I love those boys and they make me smile like nothing else when I see them now. But yeah. if I could see Anti rocking out with a guitar, that'd be the most amazing thing in the fucking world. There you go. I'm okay. So this is weird. This is really weird, actually, because I'm looking at discogs. I usually look at discogs when I look at when someone talks about albums. It's on that CD, if you wanted to buy it, you know, because you wanted to live through nostalgia, at the moment is on mark, on the Discogs Marketplace for $83. Australian. You'd really be going through a midlife crisis if you're going to be paying $92 for a CD that was released twenty no, 31 years ago. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. But to be fair, if you that would kind of be the only reason to buy it. Well, that's so, true. Yeah, that is true. Because all of these songs are available in much easier places to find these days. Yeah, you could make your own Spotify list and then some. Yeah. yeah. This um, is probably what I'm going to do later. Good. You should. I'm, I, I'd be surprised if someone hasn't beat you to it already. Oh, I'm sure if I look it up, it'll be there waiting for me. Yeah. So what else would like? What else kind of were you going to pick to fit in this category? So the other song is a song that kind of, once again, something a little, bit, a little bit different, but actually kind of on point for this time or this point in time it's, and it's a classic Bohemian Rhapsody okay yeah yeah like, I loved Queen like I thought the once again something a little bit different had that rock had that little bit of an edge yep. but that song is fucking amazing like and like I got into it before Wayne's World um, and then obviously here when I saw it in Wayne's World like a bunch of years later, I was just like, oh, my God, this song is the best. I love it. I'm so glad everyone else is loving it. And then it went to number fucking one on the charts again because of Wayne's World. It's insane when that shit happens. 
oh, it's the best. Like, because I can finally show everyone, oh, yeah, I'm right. I was yeah. right. This song is the best. So, obviously, you're excited about the movie coming out? Yeah, I saw the trailer, like, a couple, when it came out, the day it came out, and I'm like, oh, yeah, all right. Yeah. Although, to be fair, the trailer doesn't really give anything away. It's just like, no, here's a no, bunch no. of Queen songs. Yeah. But, you know, that'll get me there. Yeah, that's, it's, I keep, I have this um weird benchmark in my mind whenever I see amazing trailers that in the back of my mind, this is going to sound really lame, but in the back of my mind, I just think, yeah, but the trailer for the Medellin movie in Entourage was amazing. Like that's <laughs> what I have in my mind and that's really dumb. No, no, dude, just, the trailer or just a little snippet of the Aquaman movie in Entourage. Yeah, yeah. And I reckon that's the reason Aquaman's getting made now. Oh, look. You can – like I've had this conversation with a good friend many times. Like we have it – we constantly have it because it constantly keeps happening where life literally imitated art due to Entourage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone will rag on that show yeah. and there's plenty on it to rag about. Like the first – after the first like season four onwards weren't that great. But those yeah. first three – or maybe season five onwards. But, um, but those first four seasons were so good and yeah. you felt like, holy shit – this could be real. I'm sure it's not, but yeah. it could be. Like I, I can't think of them at the moment, but I've sat, like I've sat down. And I should make a list just for my own enjoyment one day. Make a list of all the things that have kind of come to fruition that oh. Entourage talked about. Absolutely, dude. It, it's out there. Yeah. Also, Back to the Future too. Like so many yes. things from there happened. Like sure, we don't have hoverboards, but you know, we got nearly everything else. Like the the, the stupid 3D remakes. Like, the, the Cubs won the the uh, World Series. Was exactly. That it See, these people in movies know some shit. They do. It's it's the black arts that they dabble in. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. that's that's how Home Alone became number one. Guy sold his soul to the devil. There you go. That's a Kevin Smith reference, by the way. <laughs> it is, but I don't know what from. Uh, Dogma. Thank you, thank you. That's Dama right. Hayek uh, references it. Yes, how as she news. she made yeah. Nine of the top ten grosses, uh, the highest grossing movies. I didn't do Home Alone. Some guy sold his soul to the devil for that. Yeah, and then so, does the face. Yeah, and then does it exactly. Now you know what I'm talking about. I do. So pseudo echo with Funky Town. It's a it's pseudo a great song. Let's do it. Let's play some guitar.
Your, your parents, especially your dad, obviously was very into hard hitting rock and roll and whatnot. Yep. So it would have taken him a bit to shock him. But what what were you listening to that finally made him go like, "What the fuck is this? Like, I'm not into it." What are we? You know, when you're about that age, the rebellious age, I guess. Yeah, that would have been when I discovered punk. Cool. He didn't. He didn't enjoy punk that much. Although he has come around, there are a lot of punk bands he likes. In fact, he loves the Flatliners. Like Good. he'll go see them when they tour. He likes them that much. Awesome. Yeah. Like um, like 
obviously helped that I booked it. I co-booked the tour that they did. So they came along to that and that was like any flag strike anywhere and the flatliners. And my dad walked away from that show going, Oh my God, that flatliners band is amazing. Like they're so tight. They're so good. Why is the drummer every cymbal so high? Like it was, yeah, he was blown away by them. So he gets every time the flatliners have a new album, I go out, buy it, give it to him for Christmas. Did he did he like um, Strike Anywhere or Any Flag or it was like was Strike Anywhere too fast or what? Strike going? Anywhere he didn't mind. He thought they were like yeah. they were real tight. Like kind of because my dad played in bands. That he looks at he doesn't really look at a band style wise. He looks at it looks at them how they kind of Musician. put everything together and how they okay. acted or how they sound as a band. And like he he liked Strike Anywhere. They were just kind of a little bit too aggressive for him. I guess you could say. Yeah, understandable. I think they might have left before any flag. I don't know. They watched some okay. drum teching for Pat on that tour. So they, I think he stuck around to watch me drum tech and watch me sound check. The only time I've played drums in front of like that many people, which was terrifying. Was that at the Annandale? Uh, no, at the Manning Bar. At a, like, I think it was like a nearly sold out uh, Manning Bar. Wow. So that's a decent venue. Yeah, it was it was good. Time. It was, I think it was like one of the first times I was backstage. Although to be fair, I remember the Manning Bar when it was just a shitty little stage yeah. in a room where people would sit down and watch the, and watch bands. Yeah, like I remember seeing the Living End there. Oh, would have been it was on the from here on into a yeah ninety seven ish yeah with Quad Box and Dog Boy and like the range of all the Sydney bands at that time. The Sydney staple bands. Exactly. And I remember the Living End opened the show. They played. It was the second time I'd seen the Living End because I saw them on that Green Day tour in 97. Or no, um, yep. 95, actually, I think it might have been. Yeah, Whenever, at the Horden. Yeah, at the Horden. And that, like, I remember seeing Living End there and being like, oh, my God, a drummer standing up. That's pretty fucking cool. So, of course, later on when I was playing in bands, I tried doing it. Very hard to play standing up. Yeah. Great little room it was. And then, yeah, it turns into a massive venue. Um, So I have a feeling that your dad didn't like punk because punk was the thing that he was – that was rebelling against what he was playing. Yeah, I reckon that – Would that have something to do with it as well? Yeah, that's probably had a bit to do with it and also a lot of swearing in it. And, well, like I grew up in Campbelltown, so I swear a lot. Um, My parents swore like it's – Part of growing up in Southwest Sydney, as I'm sure you know. Yes. Um, but yeah, he was like, "Oh, do, do they really have to swear that much?" And I'm like, "Well, no, they don't." But do you? And he's like, "Fair point." Yeah. So, so the, the the real interesting thing is like, I never really went through a rebellious stage, like with at least not against my parents, because they kind of just accepted whatever I did. Like they were kind of. If I was happy doing something or listening to something or watching something, they'd be all for it. They'd be like, "All right, cool. Well, you're not out on the streets doing drugs, so go team." Yeah, you could you could be doing a lot worse out in Southwest Sydney. Oh yeah, and I'm and don't get me wrong, I've done all of those things as well, but you know, we did them quietly in a controlled environment. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, sick. So let's talk about the music then. All right, so yeah, so I've got two songs chosen. One, one. Is a song like playing into the the two things that my dad didn't really like about punk. Uh, funnily enough, my mum liked punk. Like she had no problem with it. I think she saw kind of what I saw in it. Like my my mum's taste and mine are very similar. 
Like, um, like I love Sublime. She loves Sublime. Like, she was really into Scar. I love myself a little bit of Scar. So, so yeah, the two songs are there's a Frenzel song and then there's a Game Over song. Good. Good. So, the Frenzel song's genius. Okay. Um, now, can I ask a question? Did you, did you, oh no, genius. I was sorry. I was going to say, did you hear it on the Fat Comp or the, um, or the album, but that, that was run that was on the comp, not Genius. Uh, I bought Coughing Up a Storm when I was in year 11 in high school. Yep. Uh, or maybe year 12, like sometime around there. Um, because I was kind of just getting into punk. I'd heard of no effects. Um, Triple J would occasionally drop a really fast song in there and I was always stoked on life when they did that because I was like, oh, my God, something way faster than everything else. Yep. Um, yeah, but um, the Frenzel song I chose is actually kind of got like – I put it in for two reasons. One, it's got a bunch of swearing in it. Uh, and two, when Nat left the band – Friends of Rom did an open call for drummers. Yeah, right. I auditioned for Friends of Rom. In drum media or something? Yeah, in drum media. It said Friends of Rom are looking for a drummer. Call this number. Wow. So I called that fucking number and I was like, oh, I got to do this. Did you know him? Because you were you were going to – I feel like you were going to a lot of shows even back then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Did absolutely. You- I Funnily I let's see, that was I think 97 or 98 – the, yeah, okay, because you would have been out of high school. Yeah, then. I booked Friends of Rum in 1996. Yeah, 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 out west. Yep, Camden, AH and I Hall. Yep. So, no, which was really just a way of getting the band I was in to play with Friends of because I was like, man, my band's never going to be big enough to play with Friends of How can I get a gig with Friends of Oh, I'll, I'll just book them to play and then I'll open the show. Yep, that's how and, to do it. That's kind of where my booking philosophy started. It's like I just book shit I want to see. Yep. So, so yeah. So it was like, oh yeah. Well, we had friends all playing Camden, which in itself was fucking hilarious. Indeed, indeed. Um, Many people turn up. Like I have a feeling that Camden, or like that that part of that part of the, uh, Sydney had a lot of um, what's the word? Restless youth who wanted something different. Uh, let's, I'm going to turn it back on you. How many people do you reckon were there? Because I know how many were there because I am. It's it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be four people or 500 people. Like, but it won't be, it will literally be no no more than four. Yeah. Sorry, it'll be yeah, up to four people. Or if there was more than four people, it'll be more than 500 people. Like it just. 500 you got it right the second time. Like we did a door count. There were literally 500 people on the, on the dot that came. Insane. It was, I, my, my, my little brain was melted that day because I was like, like obviously friends of Rom, Rom in 96 aren't what friends of Rom are now. But no, that's but true. it was an all ages gig. Cause like when I first started booking shows, it was all ages cause I started booking shows when I was 17. So I had to make them all ages so I could actually go. So you could turn up to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And yeah, that, that day you kind of, I was like, ah, oh, this is real fucking cool. I, I'm got, I think I know how I can play with other bands I like now. 
so what about what about genius is it like have you got some kind of special attachment to it or well i played it when i so when i auditioned i played it with them um also it's the first song off that record i was gonna say yeah it's a it's a powerful opener yeah and that drum fill at the end oh yes 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 that and that was the worst part about auditioning that song is that I couldn't do that drum fill. So I had to try and come up with a, let's put it a Campbelltown way of doing that drum fill. Okay. So it wasn't, wasn't right, but it kind of fitted in just enough. And how, like, obviously you didn't get the role, but. Well, I was like, playing did, against Gordy. How could I yeah. get the role? Did you, did you go into it? Like, this is, I don't want to come off as sound like an asshole, but did you go into it thinking I have a shot or you just like. Oh no, I knew I had no yeah. shot. My yeah, my idea of going in and with it was, all right, I'm going to have to play Genius because they play it at every show. So it's a yeah. song I'm going to have to know how to play. But they said bring three songs that you know how to play. So I'm going to just get, choose my two favorite friends or songs that they hardly ever play. So I auditioned with Dugga Dugga Bow Bow and Chemotherapy and Genius. Okay. Yep, fair but enough. Genius, I think, is probably the best song of those three. Um, and like I said, that drum feel is just magic at the end. Yeah. Kudos to you for doing Dugga Dugga to Bow Bow because that drum intro is pretty insane. That I figured out, that I could do. I stumbled my way into knowing how to do that, but that the little fast drum roll at the end, I couldn't do. I, I don't know. It was one of my, I guess, as I said, not a great musician, but could kind of get, work my way through things and figure out how to do some shit. Made it happen. Pretty much all. Facilitated it. Good. Okay, so let's talk about the Game Over song then. So the Game Over song is their cover of K-San. Right. That, that's almost bringing it full circle then. Exactly. Exactly. And I remember I, the first time I ever heard it was on the radio. Or oh, was it on the radio? Yeah, I think it was on the radio. Like I was being driven somewhere by my dad and that song came on. Like It, it would have been on Triple J. Um, and it came on and he was like, oh, what's this? I'm like, oh, this is a – I didn't know who it was when I first heard it and I thought it was Gilgamesh. I don't know why, but I just thought it sounded like Gilgamesh. And I was like, I think it's like a ska band from Sydney, but this isn't ska, so I don't know. So then went, got home and kind of did some research, i.e. went on to Merck, which is where I bring you into the conversation. Yes, yes, okay, yes, yes, M-I-R-C. M-I-R-C for, exactly. And asking a couple of chat rooms if anyone had heard it and inevitably someone's like, oh, yeah, that's this band from Melbourne called Game Over. I'm like, they are fucking magic. Yes. I love this band. And now I've gotten to have this band play at the last festival I'm doing, so I'm stoked, especially because it's the OG lineup mostly. Which we will talk, well, yeah, no, yeah. Which we will get into because I'm really looking forward to talking about that. So, which one do you which one are you going with, But Yeah, see, that's the tough thing. Do I hear the amazing drum fill, or do I hear let everyone hear Adam's lovely, fucking amazing, brilliant voice? It's a tough call. It is. Uh, I know I think, what I'd go with. Well, I think sure. I'm going to go the full circle thing and go with Kaysan. It makes more sense. Exactly. Exactly. It does. Cool. So game over, Kaysan, off the one down EP. Yep. Which as good as the songs are, the recording quality is as equally as bad. Or the, the production is as equally as bad. 
Yeah. That's my two yeah. cents. It, it, is, it is sometimes a bit of a tough listen. Um, yes. Although, I don't know if you've seen, but anyone who hasn't heard Game Over before, they actually have their entire back catalogue uploaded on their Facebook page now in a Dropbox zip folder, yep. which they've got two versions of one down on there. They've got a remastered version and the original version. And somehow I prefer the original version over the remastered version. I don't know how they must have. They must have added that because I I definitely don't have that version. Yeah, well, I know that like I had a version of um, of it, and it would always skip in a pause. <coughs> pardon me. It would skip in a pause where they used to do a turntable scratch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And on the original version, that that skip isn't there, so you can still hear the old school turntable scratch. Like once they hear this, they should go to the Game Over's Facebook page and download everything. Oh, they hell have. yeah, hell yeah. Well, really just one down on shotgun. That's all you really need. Cool. Sweet. So, um, K-Sam, Game Over. Yeah. Let's check it out. Not the heart to the second round, K-Sam. And I saw the saw with a cigarette to the black market man. I could be a from the ocean to the south of So, yeah, this is, I guess this is around the time that we Absolutely, met. Absolutely, man. MIRC, the Scar chat room, the Friends of Rom chat room. Yeah, I definitely met a lot of people that I still talk to in that room. Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? Because there's a, there's a weird, um, 
there's a weird group of people out there. Not weird is probably not the right word, but there's a group of people out there. Like you come across them on Facebook and you go, like your mates with them on Facebook, we just go, yeah, like you were you were there back in the day. So um, so I guess you grew up in Camden yep. slash Campbelltown for 20 odd years. Um, did you move to Sydney after that or? First place I moved out after when I moved out of home, um, I was working at the airport. Um, starting the job, I was working at a bookshop out there, starting at 5.30 in the morning. So that was not pleasant, having to get up at ridiculous hours of the day of the morning to get to work for 5 a.m. So I moved to Mascot so I could walk to work. Yeah, sorry, you were living in you were living out west, and you yeah. had to work at the airport at 5, 5.30. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah, the, the joys of chasing these silly music dreams is that I, I've always worked shitty jobs so I can at least still do my own thing. Makes sense. Uh, makes sense to me and you. In the grand scheme of things, it makes no sense at all, though. No, that's true. Yeah, to the common person. Exactly. The normies. So you moved to you moved to Mascot? Moved to Mascot. Um, first time living at a home. Um had two housemates, had a three-bedroom house. It was pretty sweet. Hang on a sec. My dog's just come to say hello. Stay there. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. Moved out when I was 20. Moved to, moved to Mascot. Lived there for maybe 18 months and moved up to Alexandria. And then kind of since then, I've set up base um, in the inner west. And I've been here since like 2000. So I guess when I, we first properly met, um, to bring Game Over back into it, when you moved into Sydney, you you started booking more Sydney-centric shows and um, to bring Game Over back into it. Yeah, I remember you booked the first Game Over show with their new singer Brad or their Correct. second singer Brad. Um, and then you were just – I felt from then on you were just booking shows all the time. Is that about right? Pretty much all, man. Like, um, I, like yeah. most of them involved my own band for, for a lot of it and then – until I kind of got sick of lugging drum kits and shit around um, and then started booking for other people. So, yeah. but yeah, that, that, that game over show was my first kind of foray into booking shows in the city. And it was a stressful kind of setup to that show because I didn't find out about the new singer Brad. Funnily enough, I found out about it on IRC. Because someone said, did you know Adam isn't in the band anymore? And I was like, what? This band I booked? And it's not the guy that, like, I love his voice? What's going on here? So, and this was the days before everyone had an email and everything as well. So I was having to call down to Melbourne, trying to find out what was going on. I was still living, at, I was still living out with my parents at this point in time because I think that show was like 98, I want to say. Oh, maybe 99. But yeah, 98, 99. Yeah, maybe, yeah. No, yeah, sometime around there, yeah. Petersham, Petersham Town Hall, I think it was. Yeah, because if Town I'm Hall. not mistaken, yeah. you played that show, didn't you? We did. Us, Dog Boy, Game Over, 37 Head, and someone else. Well, no, actually, it was Speckled Foam, which ended up becoming Unpaid Dead. Yeah, that's... So, yeah. Yeah, then like I remember that was that was probably the first time I'd ever booked a show where I felt like everything was wasn't going the way it was supposed to go. So I kind of had to. It was the first time I booked a show that had problems. So I kind of just 
learned how to fix things on the fly, which I've kind of continued to do up until this day. So, you know, live and learn. What made you, what made you, like that was a solo thing, or <clears throat> you booking those shows, what made you, who's involved in um, Blood, Sweat and Beers and what made you get more people in on it? Um, so Blood, Sweat and Beers was started as a three-man operation. Um, everyone thinks it's my own thing, which it's not. Um, I get a lot of credit for it, and if anyone gives me credit to my face, I immediately dispel those rumors. Um, originally, it was uh, myself, Johnny Barwick, who played in Hell City Glamours, Tub, Firearms, uh, the Shirkers. Um, and originally, um, the idea of how it started was um, Christian who used to play in a Sydney band called Run Hide. Um, he, he wanted to kind of do something on a bigger scale. And like, I was kind of, I wouldn't say I was getting bored, but I was kind of wanting to kind of book shows on a slightly bigger level than I was doing. Cause I was still just doing like three, four local band bills. And like it was around the time where Fur Curve were like putting on like their big like eight bill eight band bills and that sort of thing. I was like, that shit's cool. I want to do something like that. And and we just sat down one day at the Cordy uh, Courthouse Hotel up in Newtown, and just between the three of us, just nutted out some ideas of what we thought we could do and what we thought we could pull off and what we thought we could actually afford. And now I'm stuck with the name Blood, Sweat, and Beers. So what did um what did John and Christian bring to it? Um, kind of, we all, like, we all, like, the good thing about the way, it, the way it still is, um, is that the three people involved are all into three very different parts of the scene, or, and of the Sydney music scene, and as Australian music scene, even. Yep. At that point in time, Jono was playing in Hell City Glamours, so he had the rock and roll connection. Um, Christian was playing in Run Hide, who sounded like the Bronx, and probably one of the better Sydney bands doing that Bronx sound at the time. Um, he had a lot of um, media contacts, so he could get the promotion side of it in, and I kind of had the punk side of it and the DIY yeah, ethos. Sure. Um, so I kind of brought that to it. So that, and if you look at that first Blood, Sweat and Beers lineup, you can see, oh, I can see exactly how three different people have booked this show. Yeah, it was that mixed bag. Exactly, and that's kind of how we've always kept it, like, we don't have one set style of band that plays it. Um, so Christian only hung around for the first Blood, Sweat and Beers and then he kind of had some work stuff that kind of took over his life so he didn't have enough – he just didn't have the time for it, which is – I totally understand that. Um, so that's when Mark Gibbons came on board. Um, so he was with us for a bunch of years and like he helped us book some of the coolest shit we did as well. Um, and then – same as Christian, Mark got kind of busy with other work and that sort of thing, so I had to dedicate his time to that, which we're to- we were totally cool with because he's now like a fucking venue manager for Century Venues. Which is – so which is, what do they look after? Factory Theatre, Metro Theatre? Factory, the Metro, um, the Enmore. So so like, so he's like out of, the, out of the three of us at Blood, Sweat and Beers at the time, he's gotten the most – successful music as far as getting further along in the industry me and john are still doing the exact same fucking thing we were doing 10 years ago so and but um and now but now we also have joe my housemate um 
she kind of does a lot of the back end. She does, she's the real hero of Blood, Sweat, and Beers because she does the shit that nobody knows about. The unsung hero, yeah. Like, she doesn't really book any of the shows or anything, but she will make sure that I don't lose my mind when I'm booking shows or at the shows or during tours. Um, she'll, like, she books all my accommodation and all my flights and, like, all the shit. Essentially, she does all the shit I don't like doing um, and the shit that I've kind of always had to do. Um, and Jono kind of still does his thing where he's just like, oh, what about this guy? What about this band? Oh, what about this? What about that? And, like, he still has his connection, so he still pulls in cool stuff. So, yeah, it's like a, it truly is a three-way thing, So, which with Jono involved, I shouldn't have said three-way. Should not have said that. So, okay, so let's talk about let's talk about I guess the music you were listening to at that kind of time. Uh, well, yeah, when I first moved out of home, there was kind of like two things I was kind of into. Well, like three, I will say three things. So there was ska, there was punk, and there was new metal. It was nineteen ninety nine or two thousands the year I moved out, but nineteen ninety nine is a very important year in my music life, I feel. Um, I think more than any other year, that has shaped me more than anything, just because shit I saw and heard in that year still holds with me today as strong as it did when I first heard it. Um, It was also the first time I ever travelled overseas. Uh, I went to America. So I went to a 99 Vans Warped Tour in New York City. Awesome. It was ridiculous. I saw Agnostic Front playing New York City with Freddie Madball jumping up for songs. Where where was was it in was it in Manhattan or where was it? It was not in Manhattan itself. It was on Randall's Island, which was kind of an island between um, I think it was Long Island and then where Manhattan and the other boroughs are. Yeah. It was kind of just like an island in the middle there. Funnily enough, I went back to that island um, years and years later when I was traveling with my girlfriend at the time and we went to, what was it called? Uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like a nearly a hip-hop festival that was there, but Rage Against Machine were reforming there. Wow. So, so Randall's Island holds a very special place, but that warp tour I went to, that lineup still blows my mind. I uploaded a bunch of photos on Facebook about like a bunch of years ago and I put the playing times from that day because I scanned a bunch of photos from the 90s and, and uploaded them all just because so, I'm like, this was before I had a digital camera and before there was probably digital cameras. Yeah, before there were affordable ones, yeah. yeah. So so I scanned all these photos in and I, and I found the photo I took of the timetable of that day. And was it on the big inflatable thing? No, this was like, um, this was still in like, like I want to say the early days of the warp tour, but it wasn't because it's still like six, seven years into the warp tour. Um, so it was, by then they moved to a printed sheet that was listed up, but it, but it obviously it changed every day because that's what the warp tour did. Yeah, that that's what they did. Yeah, I that lineup just it gets like I look at it still these days and I'm like. Holy shit, man! I saw some shit that people will hate me for for life. So I'm gonna quickly—I've just dialed it up. I'm gonna quickly go through it really quickly yeah. when this plane flies over. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. there it goes. So I'm going to go through it quickly. Um, main stage, seven seconds, black white peas. So that would have been black white peas before Fergie. Okay, so I think that was – so you know how sometimes on the Warp Tour they'll have bands who do half the tour then they'll have bands yeah. who do the second half? I got the second half of that tour, so I didn't see Black Eyed Peas. Oh, wait, no, I did. Yeah, no, actually, no, you're right. I did have Black Eyed Peas. They were on right yeah, before Eminem. I was about to say, yeah, Eminem, Blink-182, when they were in their prime. Oh, yeah, this is prime yeah. Blink-182. Um, Bouncing Souls, Grinspoon. Yep, Grinspoon opening the main stage, followed by The Living End. I was about to say, yeah, Living End, H2O, Ice-T, Less Than Jake, Lit, Lunar Chicks, Pennywise, Suicidals, Roll Crown Review, Seven Dust, The Vandals. That's just that one stage. Jesus Christ, this next stage is massive. I'll go through it real yeah. quick. I'll go. I'll. I'll go through the. You know the um the the highlights. Agnostic Front, Avail, Buck 09, Dropkick Murphys, Frenzel, Gob, Jimmy Eat World, Leatherface, um, Orange Nine Millimeter, Porkers. That's a pretty strong Australian con- I know. content. Like I that's was like, stoked when it, when I got announced. I was like, massive, oh my yeah. God, there's so much rad Australian shit here. And then like, so this is 1999. This Friends of Rom show I booked was in 96. So I kind of knew, and like obviously the audition I did was in 97, 98. So the guys kind of knew who I was. Um, and I walked up to the, walked up to the merch tent where friends were. And I was like, g'day guys. And they, they heard an Australian accent, turned around straight away, saw it was me, like, dude, how you doing? Come in, come. And I just hung out in their tent all day. I like, did some merch for them. And That's awesome. That sort of shit. But, uh, but obviously when there were bands I wanted to see, then I was out of there. But um, I remember that uh, Friends were on at the same time as Eminem. So I caught like the first half of Eminem because I was like, I got to see how, what happens here. Like, this isn't going to work. And the crowd was just shitting on Eminem for like the first – five minutes or so and then he then he stopped midway through a song and literally just ranted at the crowd you know what fuck y'all if you don't like me get the fuck out of here don't watch me i don't give a fuck and that's kind of the most punk thing you can kind of do and that won the crowd over and after that there were people moshing and like getting into all this shit and then halfway through i'm like oh friends all about to start ran over to the other stage watch friends will play and when he was playing My Name Is, Lindsay started playing the riff from My Name Is as well. Awesome. So, That's killer. Oh, it was, <clears throat> he's a it was talented awesome. guy. Oh, he's the best. So are we going to pick a song from bands that played at this or was there anything else that kind of – any other, I guess, watershed moments? Oh, there's, there's a lot. As I said, 99 was a, a, a year that really shaped me musically. Um, so by the, besides the Warp Tour, so I went to the Warp Tour – Flew over to Vegas and hung out with someone we both knew from the internet, uh, Miko. Good. Yes, I do remember that actually um, hung, hung out with him for a few days in Vegas, then flew back to New York to go to Woodstock. Ah, right. Yeah. So okay. I went to the Warp Tour in Woodstock in the course of like a week, two and a half weeks. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, and that with all – like. Don't get me wrong. A lot of bad shit went down at Woodstock. Like, yeah. there's shit that should not happen at shows, should not happen in life that happened yeah. there. But seeing a quarter of a million fucking people 
at a music festival, all losing their minds for every artist that came on, just it really inspired me. Like Warped Tour was like, I looked at that and I was like, this is like, Warped Tour back then felt like what the Big Day Out felt like us probably in the 90s, like when, yeah. when I thought the Big Day Out was at its prime. But Woodstock was a whole fucking other kettle of fish. Like, yeah, I, I can imagine. Like, I remember I walked in there and did my first walk of the grounds, and it took me 90 minutes yeah. to walk from one stage to the other stage, back to the markets to get some food, um, lined up at an ATM for nearly an hour. Then it's like, all right, I'm going to go back and see if I've lost my tent to see if I could remember where I'd put it. So I got there, I had my little tent that I bought from a Walmart, and I was like, I've never put up a tent in my fucking life. How am I going to do this? So I was like, so I laid everything out, and I was looking at it, and I had my all my luggage for the entire trip with me. I'm like, this is this is going to end in tears, and they're going to be my tears because I'm just going to lose my mind. And there were these dudes like next to me just hanging out. Like they end up being my neighbors, like at the festival kind of thing. I'm like doing all right there, bro. I'm like. Um, not exactly. I'm not really a camper, so I don't really know how to put a tent together. If I gave you guys like 15 bucks. Would you put it up for me? And like, yeah, man, of course. And boom, my tent was up in, in five minutes. That's awesome. So I'm always happy to pay someone to do work for me if I don't want to do it. In reality, 15 bucks would have bought you a bottle of water there. Uh, three bottles of water. They were $5 oh, a bottle. Five I, bucks. I remember this. There you go. Yeah. It was the most ridiculously overpriced thing yeah. I've ever. Although, to be fair, they were kind of just like Australian festival prices, but in America. So it didn't blow my mind that things were as expensive there. But um, looking back on it, I could see how everyone who was there was probably like, what the fuck is this bullshit? But I also remember after I did my first lap, I walked out and I was like, oh, I'm at Woodstock. I wonder if I could smoke weed here anywhere. Like, I wonder if someone will have some weed, like we'll just pass them around or something. And as I'm walking out thinking this, I see like a girl on like a, like standing in like a bin or something. who's just holding, holding up two massive bags of weed in each, in well, two, one in each hand, just yelling out, who needs weed? Who needs weed? Walked up to her. I was like, me, I need weed. And then another guy was like, oh, yeah, me too. And she was like, oh, I'm only selling um, in like 100, 100 bucks for a bag. And I'm like, hmm. I looked at the guy next, the guy who asked at the same time as me. I was like, and I'm like you want to go surprise him to split it? He's like, yeah, sure. Don't Never saw the dude ever again, but gave him the money, split the weed, went off went off on our own individual ways and never saw each other again. And the lineup in this, the lineup in this is massive, so it's not even worth going through. But what were your highlights of the day? Oh, of the weekend. Uh, of the weekend. Um, so I didn't get to see him, but I heard him while I was walking over to the stage with James Brown, someone I thought I'd never get to fucking see. Um, as bad as this is, I saw Kid Rock, and my little brain was exploded because I was like, this is fucking sick. Looking back at it, not as sick as I thought it was back then. But still a little bit sick. Like, like I remember clear as the day it happened, and I've gone back and watched it on YouTube a bunch of times to make sure that my mind wasn't playing tricks on me. But during one song, Kid Rock went around and played every instrument on the stage. I'm going to have to watch that video. Like, played guitar, played drums, played keys, played, like, scratched on the turntable. Like, 
And I was like, this dude can do everything. Oh my God, he's the best. He's not the best. He's not the best by any means. But in 1999, he was pretty fucking cool. Um, so he was a highlight, strangely enough. I actually, if, if, ever, if ever I'm feeling blue and I, I want to think back, I actually just look up Woodstock 99 videos. Um, I was massively into corn at that time as well. So I watched their set. Um, the first time I ever saw Limp Biscuit, and that was like right after. Uh, so Three Dollar Bill was the first album. Uh, Significant Other. That was was that the second record? Yeah, that was right at that point in time. So they were blowing up. Um, I thought I also think they get a bad rap for causing all the problems there. Like I don't think they did. Like all the shit that happened happened the next day. Oh really? Yeah, like the crowd went mental during Limp Bizkit, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But all the fires and all the bad shit and the rioting happened on the third day after the Red Hot Chili Peppers had played fire and people had started starting fires. Yeah. Like I fucked up my flights on that and I ended up having to leave halfway through the last day. Yeah. I didn't even get to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers, so I was gone and out of there. I was back at a hotel in New York City when all yeah. that shit was going on and I passed out. I didn't even hear about it on the news. I didn't know until the next day where I was walking along somewhere in Times Square and I saw a paper and I was like, Woods riots at Woodstock. I'm like, what? Bought the paper. Oh. Still have the paper. Cause that's worth keeping. I wouldn't say I'm a hoarder, but I don't like throwing things out. And I still have the newspaper article about the shit that went down at Woodstock just because of the fact that I was there. I need this. Yeah, you were there. Yeah, um, that's definitely worth keeping. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I, yeah, I'm, the only thing I'm bummed at is that I lost my Woodstock '99 shirt because I feel like that would be worth money today. It's just like to, to someone, someone. Yeah, like there's yeah. Yeah, someone out there who definitely pay exactly premium vintage prices. Yeah. All right, so you've got you know is this the category you've got a couple of songs for? Yeah, I had three for the, for 1990 um, for here, and most of them were. It discovered on this 1999 trip. Do it. What do we got? Well, <clears throat> one with one to lesson Jake song. Okay. Which is Jen doesn't like me anymore. Good. Uh, like that. Like that record is nearly perfect. I would say. Like, I'm gonna guess we're talking about losing streak. Yeah. But they've done. They did a different. They did an earlier version, didn't they? Of Pezcore. Yeah, it was on Pezcore as well. But the the version on Pezcore wasn't as good because no, it was pretty raw. The, the music cuts out for the Jen, Jen, yeah. Jen, Jen, Jen. Chris's voice is so much better on the Losing Streak version. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, they worked on it. And obviously they played, um, they played the Warp Tour that yep. I went to. Yep. So, and that was in the day where they had the fire breather and the fucking clowns on stage. And Now, the second song is a band I actually got to see at a club show um, that I travelled for like, like I was staying in LA and the show was in Lower Fullerton and I literally had to get like two buses and a cab. That's a massive trip. Fullerton yeah. is nowhere in LA. No, I re- didn't. I realised that once my trip had started but did not realise that before I made the plan to go to this show. And yeah. I had to go to this show because I knew this band would never tour Australia. Do tell. And that band would, uh, that band would link 80. Wow. Now, is this is this with Nick Trainer? Yeah. 
So, oh, wow. Okay. There you go. So, and me saying how don't throw shit out, I've still got the Link 80 shirt that I bought at that show. Because it wouldn't have been that much longer after that he passed away. No, it was like in, from what I understand, it was actually, no, actually, I think it, was it with him or was it without him? No, I'm going to say, okay, the reason I know this, the reason I think I know this is that it wasn't with him is because when I was in year 12, mm-hmm. I was interested in a young lady mm-hmm. and she was really into Asian Man Records and Link 80, or Asian Man Records yep. and also Link 80. And as you do when you're 17 years old and trying to, you know, trying to court a young girl. Yep. You uh, you decide that you're into everything she's into, so oh, you can yeah. be better better friend. Well, and losing streak was given to me by a girl that I was dating, who I met on the internet. So I I know exactly where you're coming you from. You understand? So she was telling me about Link Eighty and how the singer in Link Eighty is his mother, it's Danielle Seal. Danielle Seal, thank you very much. So she wrote a book, yeah, about um, Nick. Uh, yeah, Nick. Nick Trainer? Uh, yeah, I think I've, I think I'm pretty sure that's what his name was. Yeah, definitely yeah. Nick. So I went to school, like as I was into this girl, I went to I went to, I bought the Bob to buy it or borrow it off her. I think I borrowed it off her and never gave it back because she broke my heart. But that's another story. Well, the, you, hey, when there are breakups, you keep the CDs you got. I I um I took to school a Danielle Steele book. And had to justify to everybody who looked at me so, like funny, like what the fuck are you doing reading that? I'm like, oh, her son's in this cool punk band, like ska punk band, and so the book's not actually a book that she normally writes. It's a book about her son. Yeah, I've read that book. And that, yeah, and that was in '99. Yeah, yeah. So he must. Yeah, must have been. Yeah, yeah probably must have been the, the one of the first few shows that they made, or maybe not the first few shows, but the first twelve months of shows without him. But they did without him. All, yeah. like, like it was before the struggle continues came out, which was like their second record. Okay. Um, yep. But so they were still doing a bunch of shit of that first record, and while it didn't like it, obviously it didn't sound the same because you change a singer, it changes the band. Um, yep. But it still sounded fucking sick. Like it was, like it was. It was like them, Jeffrey's Fan Club, and two local bands who never went on to be anything because I'd never heard of them again. But but Link 80, man, I remember the first time, like, the song I chose was Verbal Kint, which was the first Link 80 song I ever heard. Because it was the comp song. Yeah, well, it was, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear it on a comp. I saw the video clip on the internet. Okay. In like 1998, yeah. I guess, or 97, 98. It took yeah. like an hour to load the clip, of course. But um, I can imagine, yeah. But there was a there was a website that I discovered like in the late 90s, so like 97, 98, and just had like indie DIY punk bands film clips. And I saw the film clip for Verbal Kind, and I was just like, yeah, yeah. And like the clip, I can't remember jack shit about the clip. But that song, I fucking remember everything about because it's like I just want the I, first that was them playing live somewhere. Um, I think it was. I think it might have been just like a live comp clip type thing. Yeah, but yeah. um, but I remember hearing that song. Just my brain exploded because I'm like, it's scar, but it's heavy, and 
That's aggressive. And, like he's yelling in it and it's scar and like yeah. it's crossing every box of shit I like. Yeah. It's it's ticking all the boxes, yeah. Absolutely. So and then as I said, nineteen ninety nine, I saw this show was there, I I discovered it like a month before I went over there. So I just did every little bit of research I could back on dial up internet to figure out how to get to Lower Fullerton and spent a whole day traveling to this show and making sure I had like 80 bucks left over at the end of it. So I could just get a cab back to my hotel afterwards. Jesus, that's still a trip. And did you get changed for 80 bucks? Not from memory. I think whatever it was, I just said, keep it. Cause, cause I'd had the night of my fucking life. Like, like it was a little all age DIY space, like the kind of shit that I loved and still do love. And yeah, that band was just so good. And nobody knows who the, who who they are anymore. Like it's once in a blue moon nah. I'll see yeah. someone yeah. wearing a Link Eighty shirt and it's someone I know. Like there's literally one person I know who I've seen wearing a Link Eighty shirt in the last ten years. Yeah. So if he hears this, he'll be yeah. stoked. Because he'll be like, oh, my God, some someone's finally playing them. Awesome. Um, someone came and actually raided my CD collection because um, they the, the Bluetooth net car doesn't work and they, all they have is the, is the CD player in there anymore. The CD I put on there, I was like, you've got to listen to this. And she was like, who the fuck is this? And I'm like, look, you would never hear – you would never have heard of them. You'll never hear of them again. Just listen to it and you can thank me later. And so the, the last song – yeah, so the third song in here, this is a CD I actually bought on that trip as well. Bought it in Vegas at a secondhand CD store. Miko recommended it to me. The Mad Caddies Quality Softcore. And Distress off that album. Like, so good. Like, you can't, like, I have always loved the Caddies. Like, regardless of what their stuff has sounded like since then and they've had ups and downs like some records have been great others not so great i hated the pirate album they put it out but the record after that was fa- fucking fantastic so the pirate out the pirate album was the one i went uh which was their third album i went okay i don't think i can do this yeah. anymore but duck and, duck and cover is would make a top 10 if i put a top 10 fat records list together duck and oh, cover would yeah. be in there it would it would be it would almost be in a fight like it'd be there'd be a fighting chance that it'd be in the top five. Another great album, but Quality Softcore just hit me because it was so it was so cruisy, but still had like some aggression in there, and like the lyrics were pretty clever yeah. for a ska band. And um, and um, I, yeah. I I I love the Caddies. I always have like whenever they tour, I'll always go see them. So so even if they like. I don't like a bunch of the stuff that they are going to play. I know I'm going to hear at least seven or eight songs that I fucking love. Like, like they're just that band. That, that makes sense. I don't know. Like as I said, they have ups and downs, but their ups are way up there. Yeah. Have Have they released like, that covers album yet? Has that come out? No. They. I think they they dropped their No Effects cut. Like they dropped another another song off it, which was is their No Effects cover. I think they dropped that like a week or so ago. Um, what song is oh, it? I can't off the top of my head. I actually haven't listened to it yet, to be honest. Um, I got a feeling it's She's Gone. Yeah, She's Gone. Yeah, 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 you're right. It is. So, yeah, so I think that came out like maybe a week or so ago. They, they dropped that. But I'm, I'm like, there's that list of songs that they've put that they're going to cover. I was like, 
There's some real good songs here. This is yeah. going to be good. Yeah. So, and they are very good at covers. Yes, they they. To be fair, great. a lot of ska bands are. Yeah, they can. It's they've got the they've got the uh, what's the word? The horns to do whatever they want. Yeah, they they've got that that hidden weapon in the horns that can just pull off things that hornless bands can't. Yeah, like Lesson Jake, the Greased album, phenomenal. So what song? Let's like they're all fantastic. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with Link Eighty. Because I think I think the world needs to hear Link Eighty. Because I guarantee you, one percent of probably the people listening to this podcast have heard of this band. So, there's a give and take, and man, it's just a gift. He talks a lot, he lies a lot, he walks with a bad limp, but no one really knows him. No one takes a hand. He runs the underworld and no one sees his face. He still the dozen men, he's got a million different names. He's the baddest motherfucker that I have never known. For what he's got, he's got a hard way to stop. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Did, uh, did you know that the reference was to the um, – oh, fuck, what's the movie? Usual Suspects. Thank you. Did you know at the time? I hadn't seen Usual Suspects at the time. Yep. But as soon as I saw the movie, I was like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. Gabe wrote a song about this guy. Like, uh, yeah. And this was well before, like, the end of the movie. So, so I, they kind of spoiled the movie for me, but not really. Because by the time the end of the movie happened, I'd forgotten the lyrics of the song and I was just watching the movie. So I was able to separate them at least. Alrighty, so Blood, Sweat and Beers, you've, after nine, is it nine years or nine shows? Have you done one every year? No, we haven't done one every year. We had a couple of years where we did two and then we had many years where we did zero. So you're pulling, you're, you and uh, Jono have pulled the pin on it? Well, we've pulled the pin on the festival. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah, yep. So... And like, I, like for me, it's a totally selfish thing. Yeah. Um, I enjoy going out on tour more than I than I enjoy sitting at home working on something for six months for one day. Okay, that Whereas makes complete sense. It'll take me six months to book a tour, but I go out on those tours and I get to see okay. this rad band that I'm touring eight times in two weeks. 
In two weeks. That makes sense, yeah. So I kinda I for me I get more satisfaction out of it. I think other people get more satisfaction out of the festival because they get to come out and get drunk all day and and party and sing bro him at some point throughout the day. It's always gonna happen. It's always gonna happen. So then this year you're doing you're doing three the whole factory, yeah. The whole factory. Three rooms. You got to go out with a bang. Well, that's what I figure. I figure if I'm gonna if I'm gonna go down, I might as well go down in flames. So let's let's go all out. And like I've got my favorite current Australian band headlining it, the Bennies, who are the most fun band on the planet. I don't think there's a more fun band out there. They definitely bring the party. Or a more stoked band out there for that point in time. That's true as well. Um. So so that'll be super fun. Um, obviously, you know, but Game Over, who like my favorite band from the '90s, are playing, and I know how stoked all of those dudes are. Like, I caught up with Adam when I was down in Melbourne on the Signal Speed West tour, and we just hung out and talked for like an hour or so, and had some lunch and stuff. And he was just stoked that he was going to be able to play Blood, Sweat, and Beers in Game Over, and I don't think he realized what it actually means to me, like how much I love yeah. this band. So. Um, yeah, so that's going to be fucking rad. Like, we've got Outright, like, who are probably, you, you might agree with me on this call, but the best hardcore band in the country. Oh, like, the best hardcore band that's been, that hasn't, that isn't Mind Snare, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, got, a, got a few bands I haven't seen a whole lot of, like Gooch Palms and that sort of thing, but I mean, but what they do is kind of different, so I think I'm going to like it. Um, I've got a bunch of my favorite current punk bands around the country, like Nerdlinger and High Time and uh, the Flame Japanese um, who are playing. Got some new bands like Idle Threat who just finished their new record, which they're slowly releasing songs online, which are fucking rad as shit, like super riffy, kind of nice melodic punk kind of stuff. So, And then, of course, we've got the other side of things where like, I've got bands like Antonio and Lazy Susans and... Uh, who else is on the bill? This is the problem with having 20 bands on the bill is that I can never remember. So you've got an acoustic stage as well. Yeah, yeah. so that, that should be announced by the time this this thing comes out. And like we've got Lucy Wilson from the Sugar Canes, um, everyone's favourite Tasmanian-based Melbourne, um, drinking, Lafe- drinking uh, La Breezes is playing, or Lincoln La Fever as it's commonly known, uh, with Jamie Hay. Which I found out about the other day, which I'm excited about. Yeah, yeah, no, I was stoked when he, he said yes. Um, rounding it back to one of the first shows I've ever booked, I've got Lindsay playing solo. Oh, wow, awesome. What's he doing? I don't know. Good. But he's just like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Um, I'll, I'll probably get a few other people to jump up on songs and help me. Like, I think he's going to get SM, who's yep. playing in band mode. Yep. Also, if you haven't heard SM go check her out. Like she, yes. it's, it's like piano based folk punk. Yes. Um, but she does, she was in a Wilhelm screen cover. Oh yeah. Which I've heard, which is fantastic. Um, we've got John O'Barwi. Um, obviously he's part of blood, sweat and beers. So I'm just making him play. Cause I do that every now and then I've made firearms play. I've made health city glamours play. And I said, by the way, you're playing John O. And he's like, Okay. And I saw he has a song about potato salad, which I heard earlier tonight, which I cannot wait to hear him play. Uh, I've got Billy Demos, uh, who used to play in Lost in Line. 
and Simplos in line, who were a fucking super rad Wollongong um, punk band that sounded exactly like No Use for a Name. Uh, now we've got, um, I'm going to get the name wrong here because I just don't know how to pronounce it right, but it's Joe Nergebeyer, I think it is, uh, who's from Melbourne, uh, really good acoustic act, uh, and Hazel, who is uh, a Sydney-based uh, female acoustic act who will be opening the show. So so add them along to like, the other 20 bands we have playing. Like, as I said. And uh, who's who's closing the show? Um, you got a mirror there, buddy? Look in it. Oh, look out. So your boy. Your boy is closing the show. All music for all people, bringing the thunder. Yep. So Bro Him will be the last song played at Blood, Sweat and Beers as it has been for at the last five, I think. Yep. That would be about right. So, like, I got the Bennies finishing about 30 minutes before you guys finish. So by the time Bro Him starts, because let's face it, it's not a spoiler warning because we all know that's going to be the last song. No, it's it's, it's going to happen. It's, it's just going to happen. Exactly. That yeah. that room's going to be overcrowded and hot as fuck, and and just finger pointing. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad that I will have access to the um, side stage. Well, not just the side stage, but not having to go outside and try and battle my way into the room. Yeah. I'll just walk down the stairs yeah, in yep. between the rooms and be there. Yep. Yep. Makes sense. But yeah, but um, yeah, it's going to be super fun. Like. Like I said, like I've left out a whole bunch of bands that are playing, like Low are playing, like fucking. But I'll I'll put the link up so yeah, people can do. check it out. If you don't mind, put the ticket link up for me too. I'll do that too because people should buy because it will sell out. Um, yeah, lots of good shit for fucking everyone. So get there early, come check out, sit outside, have some beers, watch the acoustic acts. Um, there's a podcast called Dope Fret Club who. Uh, who them and Support Act um, are actually getting a donation from every ticket sold. Um, they kind of don't fret club kind of, they're trying to break the stigma of mental health uh, within people, mu- specifically musicians. Um, like me and Adam from Game Over talked about this and like, like I'm going to go on a bit of downer here for about five minutes, but the death rate in the Australian music scene is fucking like it's sad as fuck. Like there, there's a real problem, and the only way these problems kind of get fixed, from my point of view, is by raising awareness, making people talk, re- people realizing that they can talk. Like not just oh, I'll be right, don't worry about it. You got to talk about shit. Like I, I've, I've gone through depression myself. It's fucked. Um, and the only way I've got survived is because I've got some fucking amazing friends and that's what we all are. And like, that's what I think kind of encapsulates blood, sweat and beers the most. You can go to that by yourself and you'll leave with 40 friends that day because you, <laughs> you'll be in a room with someone watching a band. They won't know you. But they'll go, cheers, mate. Have a good one. How good's this fucking band? Oh, man, I've never seen them before. Oh, they're right. Oh, who are you going to watch next? And that's a friendship. And, like, that's kind of, yeah. So so them in support after getting a dollar per ticket. So the money's not going, like, the money's going to a good place, not just the bands who are good places as well. But support actor, an organisation, I think they're based in Melbourne, 
who essentially try and help musicians out who are going through a rough time and not necessarily from mental health, but like they're exactly what they say that they're a support act for musicians. So like, like it was when I was thinking about doing this, it came from a like blood sweat. This last blood sweat beers came from, came from a place of, a place of pain. Like, um, you knew Shane, I knew Shane. Um, that was fucking awful is the only word I can come up with for it. And I didn't know what I could do. So I was like, well, I don't have many life skills, but I know how to put on a show that everyone walks away from smiling. And I was like, well, do that. Because if people are smiling, it means they're happy. So, and, and also I got sick of people hounding me saying when, when's the next blood, sweat and beers. So by announcing this is the last one, it gets all of those people off my back. Now they, now it's going to be a new question of come on, bring it back, bring it back. So I'm prepared for that already and I'll happily accept it. And maybe one day down the road, blood, sweat and beers will like the festival aspect of it will come back in a way Maybe it's under a different name or under a different guise or something. But um, but for the time being, this will be the last festival or mini festival. I don't like the word festival. Like, there's lots of words I don't like. None of them are uh, expletives. I love all of those words. Um, but yeah, I was like, let's wrap this up in the only way we know how. And let's just have a mates fest, which is essentially what it is, because. Nearly everyone, every band playing knows nearly every other band playing. So it's like, and the good thing that I've always liked about the way we've done Blood, Sweat and Beers is like we, we have band rooms, like we have backstage areas, but they're generally empty. Like no one really hides backstage and like just kind of keeps to themselves because why the fuck would you? There's like, here for you, in your case, there's 19 other really rad fucking bands and you probably want to see at least half of them. And on top of that, there's a whole bunch of friends that are flying up or flying interstate. So let's hang out. Let's let's grab a lemonade. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Or, in this case, grab a fucking burger. True. Because uh, we got Fox Out Burgers, who uh, Jason Fenwick, who well-known punk rock nudist. Yes. Um, he's going to be cooking burgers for the first few hours that day. Unreal. So, so he's going to have two options, a meaty option and a non-meaty option. So, you know, everyone's a winner. Bases are covered. That's unreal. That's like the lineup's huge. And again, I'll post many a link and ticket link and it'll be a red hot night. Yeah. So for this final track, I've kind of, songs kind of sum up where I am now. I kind of have two choices. One's one's a newer band. Oh, not they're not a new band. Well, they're newer than every. They're newer than most bands I listen to. Uh, and the other one's Wilhelm Scream. So it's Red City Radio. So I don't know if you've heard much of Red City Radio. Bits and pieces and everything I've heard of liked. That is not a surprise. I when I was I used to do a podcast with Brendan, who I mentioned for who did. Um, the punk rock karaoke band. Uh, and when we did a podcast every week or every week, every fortnight 
fortnight? Yeah, every fortnight or month as it ended up being. Um, we had a thing, had a section at the end of the show where I would just bring in a random song that he'd never heard before or just whatever I was listening to at the time. And more often than not, he, well, no, not more often than not, every single time he'd never heard of the band. And we, we called it a blind review, which we ended up calling it a deaf review because it seemed more appropriate. Um, and I played in Red City Radio, and it was like, this is really fucking cool, man. I'm like, I know, right? Then I went to the States a couple of years ago and went to Fest, um, saw them at Fest, and my heart fluttered when I watched them. Yeah, they seem like a um, – to me, when someone says Fest – oh, no, let me start again. When someone says that band, I just think they're the poster boy band. They're the poster band for Fest. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I saw them twice – at Fest, and then I saw Garrett, their singer, do two solo sets. Well, I guess I, I could say one and a half solo sets because one wasn't so much as a solo set as him drunk and high as fuck stumbling around the Holiday Inn uh, foyer playing guitar and singing. But it was, and that was on the final night as well. So it was like the Fest, end of Fest party type thing. And just the passion in which he thinks, also the sound of his voice, it just gets, like, it just fucking, it made, like I said, it made my heart flutter. Like, I could have fallen in love, I would have, I would, I would marry his voice if I could. Like, if it was a feasible thing for me to do, that's what I would do. Uh, and then, I Will Home Scream um, is the other choice, and that's just because I think they might be the greatest band in the world. Dead. They definitely lifted the game when it came to playing punk rock, especially modern punk rock. Oh, without a doubt. Like, Ruiner, yeah. that album is it's bangerific, we'll say. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to dispute that. Yeah. Every song on it kills. Um, I can listen to it any time, and it t- I get taken back to seeing them for the first time touring Australia, supporting Less Than Jake. And I was like, this like and I'd already knew of the band. I already had Ruiner when I first saw them. But listening to them and seeing them live are two totally different things. Like they put on one of the best stage shows and they connect. I like a lot of punk bands play and they just play. Yep. I will have screenplay and they connect with every single person in that room. And I don't know what it is or how it works but it happens and like as I said I I toured them and while it took me a good year to realise that that tour was a good tour um, what I realised very quickly is oh I know how they connect because they're the nicest fucking people on the planet oh words I can't say enough nice things about that band I think one of my ultimate tours would be like a Wilhelm scream and heart sounds together and back in the day I did try and pull that off I just um all I'm screaming ended up doing the first hits and pits instead of like I had the band's management interested in it, and it's just one of those things that didn't pan out. Like if I'd been offered hits and pits, I would take that too because that lot that first hits and pits lineup was great. It was Paddy's Flatliners, Wilhelm Scream, Voodoo Glow Skulls. Um, yeah, that was a fantastic lineup, wasn't it? Yeah, like that one broke the mold for how those festivals could do. 
he totally fucked it by putting Black Flag and the Ataris on the second one, and that kind of just ruined everything. But, you know, these things happen. But that first one was killer. So, so yeah, so it, it comes down to what do I choose now out of Red City Radio and Wilhelm Scream? And that's a real tough decision for me because they're probably my two favorite bands currently out there. All right, so because, like, it was, like, because of the way, like, you format the show, it was, like, a song that kind of represents, sums up where you are now. Um, so for Red City Radio, I chose Don't Be a Hero, Find a Friend, which is kind of just a song about being good to your mates and having good mates. And that's kind of where I am now. Like, so that's why the Red City Radio song was chosen. Uh, for a while, I'm Scream, I chose The King is Dead just because I love that song. It's so good. Yeah, exactly. But it's a tough choice between the two of them. I don't... Hmm. You've got me in a pickle here, Joel. All the other ones, I was like, I had a couple of options because I was like, well, I could talk about this or this or this. But these two are tough because these are both songs that after I finish talking to you, I'll probably go and listen to. Um, you know, I'm going to go with Red City Radio Fair because enough. I think yep. if, if anyone, because everyone's heard The King is Dead. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to, I was going to say that. If it was, if, it was, if you were going to ask me, I'd say go Red City Radio. Yeah. And plus, I think it's kind of something cool that to, for everyone to kind of listen to and think about is that like your friends are your family. And like, that's yeah. how I've always looked at music. It's like, these are my friends. These are my family. These are the people who support me when I need help. Or if I, I'm running, if I'm booking a shitty little show at the Roxbury or I shouldn't say shitty little show at the Roxbury because they don't do shows anymore. But if I'm doing a little show somewhere, yeah. I know because I book it, like a bunch of people just come because they're my mates. And I think I'm very, very lucky and very fortunate in what I've done in that I've made a lot of really good friends and I've met some amazing people. And I think just the name of that song alone says it all. Don't be a hero, find a friend. And that's what I think music's all about is yeah. finding people you connect with and finding people you can Put, throw your arm around while some band's playing bro him and sing whoa, 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 whoa. Or, or push you out of the way and grab a microphone which has happened on multiple occasions so yeah let's go with red city radio let's do it brock thank you very much this was fant- this is fantastic no problem mate anytime always happy to talk to you blood sweat and beers june 30 factory theater factorytheater.com tickets 50 bucks, dollar from each ticket goes to some really cool charities. Yeah, Come absolutely. down, give me a high five. I have a big dumb mustache, so I'm real easy to find. You're the, you're the guy who looks like he's stressed. Yeah, pretty much well. Yeah. As I said, the, the mustache is easier to find me than looking for somebody who's stressed because you, you might see someone else who looks stressed because I've stressed them out. So That's, That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Red City Radio. Let's do it. Thanks, mate. Cheers, buddy. I don't mean to see
Episode 20 again thank you thank you for checking it out I guess yeah thank you everybody I don't know sound a little bit insincere but uh, I definitely do mean it um, and apologies again not for getting an episode out more than sorry apologies again for only getting one episode out last month uh, I was really sick and then Nicole and I and Cody went to Hawaii and that was mad and I'll tell you about it on the next episode because again I'm crunching to get this one out cool take it easy like their father or their dog just died Everybody talking to their pockets Everybody wants a box of chocolates And a long stem rose Everybody knows Everybody knows that you love me, baby Everybody knows that you really do Everybody knows that you've been faithful Give or take a night or two Everybody knows you've been discreet But there were so many people you just had to meet without your clothes And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it goes Everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it goes Calvary uh, to the beach.
much in Malibu Everybody knows it's coming upon Take one last look at this sacred heart Before it blows And everybody knows Everybody knows Everybody knows That's how it goes Everybody knows Everybody knows Ever.